TQ, we aim to inspire trust through providing individuals with the tools needed to test and prove who they are in real time. Roy Leach, Director of Business Navigators, a strategic consultant and advice company, talks about how he got started in the sustainability and energy space. So um, up to 20 years ago, when um, I, along with my partner, formed Business Navigators Limited, and we specialise in management consultancy, particularly in the energy sector and the renewable sector, but um, also in uh, management and leadership uh, development and, and training. So that's a little bit about, about me. So Business Navigators, where did you get the idea from? How did it start? We had always wanted to run our own business and we got the opportunity to do so. So we kind of leapt in at the deep end, but it was really to do with two things. We felt that we could help um, people really. Uh, at that time, we probably had over 30 years experience of leadership and management. And we felt we could really help um, young people and current managers, et cetera, to really develop uh, based on our, our experience and, and learning. And also we felt from the management consultancy point of view that we could also benefit business as well and help businesses, particularly in our specialism in the energy in the energy sector. And then not long after that, really, we became very interested in sustainability and obviously in climate change and the environment, et cetera, et cetera, which we had been involved in our previous roles. Um, but it became more and more increasingly more important. So why do you think it's important for businesses to become more sustainable? Well, in a, in a nutshell, I, I think if they don't, they simply won't survive. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, not only will they not grow, they, they, they won't survive. And I think, you know, if you look at any of the big energy companies, um, you know, Shell or BP or any of the big energy companies, you'll notice that their strategies are already shifting and they're setting targets for 2040, 2050. These are people who, you know, make a living from uh, uh, carbon fossil fuels, really. Uh, and their, their thinking is shifting massively and has been shifting for four or five years now to what are their companies going to look like in 30 years time? And it's going to be um, green energy sources, more and more increasingly moving towards green energy sources and less and less towards, um, you know, carbon based uh, energy sources. So if you look at those types of companies as an as an extreme, if those companies who are making their living effectively from supplying fossil fuel are seeing that and are changing, then it, it, it's obvious that if other companies don't do that, then clearly they're going to struggle. I would also say that those companies are huge employers in their own rights, but they also have huge supply chains. And obviously, um, it won't be just um, to do with how those companies change, but unless you, if you are a supplier to those customers, if you don't change as a supplier, then they probably won't use you anymore because obviously you'll adversely affect their carbon footprint. So I think major companies will, you know, will drive um, will drive a lot of, of, of this progress really. Uh, so that's, that's the main reason I think. It's as simple as that, Laura. If you don't become a sustainable business, uh, you won't survive. If you do, conversely though, if you do become a sustainable business, I think you've got a real opportunity then to, to grow and, and out-compete with other um, uh, businesses. 
And I think that applies whether you are in a business that's a profit-making business or a not-for-profit business. I think it applies the same way. And obviously, increasingly, if you look at the public sector side of, 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 of that, increasingly, those public sector organizations will also um, need, necessarily need to change and become sustainable. So I think it's both sides of the equation, if you like, both the private and uh, public sector. So a long answer, Laura. Do you think there's specific things that businesses should be doing or could be doing in order to walk, work towards becoming more sustainable? Indeed, yeah. I, I think it's a completely holistic approach. I think if they if businesses try to look at one aspect, um, then they will, for, for my my money anyway, they will they will fail to deliver it. If you know, for example, they 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 just focus on environmental. So let's say they undertake some small scale environmental um, improvements, then of course that's positive, and of course that will make a difference. But if, for example, let's say that then cost the business and, the, and then the business started to not make profits or make return for shareholders, et cetera, then just looking solely on the environmental side of it is simply not enough because clearly you can't um, just be sustainable, but then not um, meet the needs of your shareholders, meet the needs of your stakeholders. So then you move into the kind of, economic side. So you've got environmental, which is sometimes abbreviated to planet. You've got the economic aspects, which is sometimes abbreviated to profit. If you then look outside of those businesses, if you look societally, um, I believe that increasingly uh, people in the world and in the UK are becoming more and more pro-sustainable. So, uh, you know, if you can't demonstrate to the societies where you employ people, you probably won't attract people. If you don't look, if you don't um, uh, supply products that to those societies that are demonstrably sustainable uh, and meet what society requires, or alternatively, if you do things that impact on the local health uh, of, of the local people in that in that society then clearly you're going to be in a situation where um, again you're not going to be able to continue in business so that's the kind of societal side which sometimes abbreviated to people the fourth aspect for me Laura of of this is is one of governance um, I, I didn't mention before I'm actually an, an accountant and so if you look at the accountancy profession, and you look at things like um, any any company or any individual trader has got to produce accounts. Well, increasingly there is more and more emphasis on producing those financial accounts to, to, to for you to be demonstrably a responsible business and for you to be demonstrably a sustainable business. And that's just beginning to change. It's just beginning to come along. But I feel in five, 10, 15 years time, if you haven't got that governance side of things, sometimes called abbreviated to the process in place, then again, you don't do it. So that's the fourth aspect of this holistic approach. And then we come to probably the most important part in my view, Laura, which is the, of the holistic report uh, uh, approach, is, is the culture um, or the personality of, of the organization. If you don't, if you've not got a leader who is signed on to being sustainable, uh, if you've not got a senior leadership team 
who are not signed on to, to being sustainable. And it's unlikely that that's then going to permeate down through the organi organization. So I think the one of the most important things is, is the culture of, of a business. So if you don't have sustainability ingrained in your DNA, if you like, again, you probably won't attract the people who want to work for you, what you would like to work for you. So again, I think that's at the heart of it. And I think that's very much the, the challenge that all governments have got across the world, but in particular in the UK, whether it's the Westminster government or the devolved governments, I think they've really got a challenge in winning the hearts and minds of the people, really. And, and so it's those five aspects for me. It's environmental, it's economic, it's societal, it's governance and it's culture. So those are the five things that we look at holistically in terms of uh, being a sustainable business, not just, you know, are we reducing our carbon footprint? Because that doesn't quite doesn't quite hack it. So do you think those businesses that don't employ those, um, do you think they won't maybe last for the next 50 years? They might disappear? I don't think so at all. If you, if you look on the stock exchange of the top uh, FTSE 100 companies over the last 15 to 20 years, you'll see that the, the top 100 now in, in a majority of cases are very different than they were 20 years ago. Now, that's for a variety of reasons. Um, but times change and the mood of the people changes. And therefore, uh, I think what you will see in, in 20 years time in the top FTSE 100 and in other companies as well, they're not even floating on the stock exchange. I think you will see more and more sustainable companies. I mean, one of the, one of the largest companies that you will have, have read about, you know, multi-trillion uh, dollar uh, company is obviously now Tesla. So there's one example for you, Laura, of, you know, predominantly electric uh, vehicles, but perhaps lesser known, but, but increasingly more important to do with storing of electricity and batteries. And, and that, that, by the way, is a fundamental uh, critical success future of, of the future that we can store electricity. So obviously uh, Musk identified that. And I was just reading a few days ago that they are now, um, you know, a trillion dollar company and one of the uh, largest companies in the world. So I think, again, that obviously a really big uh, organization. But I think that's a good example of, of what I'm saying, really. Yeah. So, um, do you think there's any currently in the in the in, on the globe? Do you think there's any damage that's currently irreversible in terms of the climate? Um, that's a very good question. It's not one I've really considered. Um, I think there probably are signs that there are areas that are approaching um, that level. Um, you know, um, holes in the ozone, perhaps that. Um, you know, over major countries such as India, China, even parts of the UK um, that probably are um, irreparable. If you look at some of um, the pollution in some of the rivers and streams and oceans in some parts of the world, um, I, it might not be irreversible, but it would take a significant effort, worldwide effort, and probably billions of dollars of investment to actually um, reverse that. And I can't see that the polluters who polluted that, who may not even be around anymore, um, are going to foot that bill. So I would always think, well, who, who's going to kind of pay for that? So I think they're probably, um, it's more of a scientific question than I could answer, but I think there are probably some 
areas which are which are irreversible lower i think there probably are some 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 aspects that are and um so i've just quoted uh, quoted one or, one or two though mm -hmm. um just one final question what would what would you say that a business can do like a small thing every day to make themselves more sustainable i think the first thing that they've got to do is they have got to grasp what I mentioned before about the holistic approach, about looking at the five aspects of um, how they are going to go in the future and look at not so much their vision, because I'm not particularly big, big on vision statements, but I think they have seriously got to step back and say, what is our purpose? What is our role? How do we become a sustainable business and I think you need the CEO or the uh, the the leader of if it's not a, a, a profit-making business and the, and the senior leadership team or the senior management team I think first and foremost they have got to sign on to it because if that doesn't happen I don't believe you get the leadership I think then what they probably need need is a rolling plan really these things are not going to happen overnight they probably need a rolling dependence upon the business. You know, somebody as big as BP might need a, a rolling 30 year plan. Other businesses might only need a rolling 30 day plan. Uh, but I think that um, they need to then think about, you know, how what what measures can we take um, over that period? So if you take a smaller business, they're probably not got to do many things and they've got a 30 day rolling plan then um, they could do one of those things each day to answer your question, whatever is in their particular plan that's relevant to the, to the business. Um, and then if they did each one of those each day, I'm, I'm a firm believer in having an overarching objective and then breaking that down into smaller goals. If you look at some of the most successful businesses in the world, if you look at some of the most successful sports teams in the world, if you look at some of the most successful individuals in the world, that many of them will tell you that they set an overall objective to achieve. They break that down into smaller manageable chunks and then they deliver those smaller goals along, along the journey. But I think you also need to kind of win the hearts and minds as well um, of, of your organization. So it, there's no, you know, I've seen it happen in other areas over many decades, Lord, for example, health and safety 20, 30 years ago. People used to pay lip service to it a little bit. So it was kind of an add-on to a business. Now you'll, you'll find very few businesses where it isn't embedded in their DNA because yeah. it, it can't not be, because they don't want to see people hurt. They don't want to see people injured. It costs them too much. It's against the law and all those good reasons. So I think that, you know, to answer your question, I think that you really need to break it down business by business and say, what are those simple steps that you can change each day? But obviously, to, to extend that answer, I would probably begin by looking at the current carbon footprint. So say, you know, what, what is the carbon footprint of my business? Um, and then looking at that and saying, there's usually two aspects that, to that. There's the demand aspect. So in other words, what is my business demanding? So clearly, if you're something like a steelworks, you're going to be using um, uh, gas, natural gas, methane, to 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 fire your furnaces and produce your 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 gas, for example. So that will be a massive demand on on a steelworks. But um, if you then look at well, without that without that demand, they haven't got a business. So you can't say, well, we'll just switch off that furnace because if you switch off that furnace 
you won't be able to switch it back on again, basically. It's 24-7-365 production. So they can't, they, those types of businesses, you know, they can switch the lights off in their offices. They can, you know, give their employees electric vehicles and such like that. But it's only going to scratch the surface, really, because the focus is obviously on a huge demand in by the very nature of the business. And you could say, okay, well, maybe we, I know there are conversations around, maybe we, we use too much steel and, and what have you. But at the end of the day, we, we are still going to need steel in the future. So then if you look at the supply side of the equation, so if you're limited by that, you either go to business or you've got to have something that will fire your furnaces. You then go look at the supply side of the equation. So obviously one thing that um, Steelworks, for example, are looking at is things like um, green hydrogen. Now that, and again, it's another big debate, but essentially um, green hydrogen is hydrogen produced um, by, um, um green sources so you would get your electricity um pump it the electricity through water hydrolysis and then you would produce your green hydrogen so you use maybe wind turbines or you use solar farms etc to produce your green energy pump it through the water that then creates um obviously hydrogen gas and oxygen breaking down h2o so that then enables you to have your hydrogen so i think Although there's a big lobby against the green green hydrogen um, solution um, to sustainability and climate change, I think it does have a place. I think it certainly has a place in those industries that necessarily uh, burn a lot of energy. So steel industries, ceramics industries, glass industries, those types of industries, you know. So I think it's very much dependent upon the nature of the business. Yeah, I talk a lot about energy because my... My expertise is is around the energy sector, really. Um, well, you know, a business for me can't be sustainable unless it's um, got a good carbon footprint. But obviously, we look at things like the circular economy. Um, you know, we look at things like supply chains, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which are all relevant to to sustainability. You know, and and, and recycling and, and all of those things. But I focused a little bit on energy today. TQ is a community of trusted experts. Who continuously test their skills and knowledge. The MyTQ app allows you to build your portable, irrefutable, professional reputation. MyTQ users can assess their skills against the ever-growing traceable knowledge to reach expert level. You can contribute as a co-creator on the MyTQ app and help others grow their skills and knowledge. Find out more on tq.com.